0: Welcome to On and Off the Pitch. Ahoy, shipmate. This is On and Off the Pitch. I'm Rodney Cyrus. What a weekend of sporting results. Manchester and Chelsea women make it to the FA Cup final. Yay! Uh, But we don't start there. No, we don't. Uh, We travel deep down south to Bromley, where Crystal Palace Women played Birmingham City women in the Barclays Women's Championship because there was no WSL games. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I ended up this weekend. Um, and Before I talk about actually the game itself, Birmingham won their home fixture uh, by three goals to one when they played Crystal Palace earlier in the season. So obviously this would be the, the ideal time for, for Crystal Palace to, to seek revenge on home soil or home turf, Astral turf, 4G turf, whatever it is. Um, and for Birmingham, they uh, the scorers for their game at, when they went home was uh, Lachlan, M- oh, I forgot that right, and Pennock, right? So they scored the goals for, for Birmingham then. So for Palace and Birmingham going into the fixture just at the weekend gone, they go into it or they went into it, good form, you know, Wins against Sunderland, wins against uh, Southampton, you know, really good for both teams. So you, you had the feel or you hoped that there would be a really entertaining game. And it was a very entertaining game. Uh, in terms of the first 45 minutes, it, it was uh, two games within the first 45 minutes, which would probably be two quarters, which would make a half, but it wasn't necessarily distributed in the same way as two quarters because it was generally probably a little bit more Birmingham than than Palace in terms of goals, definitely. Um, in terms of league position, up at that point before kickoff, Birmingham were third, and Crystal Palace were fifth, and it was a five-point difference, OK? Five points difference. So really important for Palace to get a win, to kind of see that their season ends with good momentum. They've had good momentum over the last few weeks, and you'd hope that that was going to be the case for them, or they hope, definitely. Um, so, in terms of the game itself, uh, I would say uh, much could be made from Palace's um, lineup in terms of their form. One particular thing that I need to mention actually, um, everyone knows, or well, most of anyone knows, is watching the Championship, that um, they haven't had their head coach with them for a couple of weeks now because. Uh, been suspended and there's a, an investigation going on etc etc nothing to report from the club because the club aren't saying anything and just didn't ask because you know it's it's being investigated whatever that is so in terms of the club they have been taking over without a head coach on the sideline so whoever's been selecting the team has been doing a pretty good job the one thing I will say actually I'm going to say quite a few things when I say the one thing I will add is um no lizzie waldie in the lineup um saw her in the stands not sure if she was injured or if it was something else um, but was it in the stand? and normally when she's not playing i'm like mm, you know palace may not do so well um so i don't know i don't know maybe maybe it was the heebie-jeebies that I, I kind of um added to the game before it started birmingham right i will say this when you look at the form and it's been noted on on twitter as well at like birmingham's Form has been really, really good in the last few weeks, but also they have WSL pedigree, right? And definitely after the result of the weekend, because they won, they did win, right? Uh, And they'll want to return to top flight football as soon as possible. Definitely next year, and it will be interesting to see who who they um, recruit, who they bring in, right? What kind of player they bring in, in what positions um, or position, considering how well they've navigated the barclays women's championship this season so they're going to know how to navigate it in slightly better form next season pretty much like bristol did you know in terms of when they came down what they needed to do um, to go back up we'll see what happens it'll be really really interesting really 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 interesting and again before i talk about the game oh my gosh uh, pre-game routine, got there early enough to see both teams doing their stretching, both teams doing their, you know, uh, limbering up, their strengthening quad exercises. And unfortunately, the sprinklers were turned on re- really close to where the Crystal Palace players were, were doing their warm-up. The coach or the conditioning coach wasn't too happy. Uh, the guy in the booth, he definitely wasn't happy. He said a few choice words. I can't repeat them because this is a family podcast. Mm-hmm. Um and they were a bit wet, the players, you know, uh, before the game. And uh, I don't know if that was an omen to get soaked by your own sprinklers, but it could have been. Could have been. Um, really good lineup for both teams. They've had good players. I mean, in good in terms of good games previously. But what was noticeable um, when the teams actually lined up before kickoff is how offensive, attack-minded. Uh, Crystal Palace's lineup looked, you know, just in the terms of their formation, they were like literally along a line. It was noticeable there was um, Blanchard, Haynes, Olding, Hughes, literally in a flat line, just waiting. It was like hundred meter, hundred meter dash, hundred meter sprint, you know. So, you know, a very positive approach. It would seem a very positive and a kind of attack minded formation, uh, a positive manner. And I have to be honest, I was really impressed in the first 10, 15 minutes or so with uh, the link-up play between Doran and Alden, I really like Alden. I do. I, I like the, the the swagger of this player. Um, and in the first few minutes, there was a, a directness about Aldin's play, which kind of unsettled, I would say, the Birmingham defenders uh, and their midfield. Um, but despite Palace's really good start and the really quick tempo play and the way that they were able to move the ball across the pitch with ease um, and and, con- and in a controlled manner, that they didn't take advantage of the moments when they did arrive, or they just didn't create enough moments within that period of time, which is kind of, sort of telling, but it does kind of tell its own story, you know. So um, Birmingham, who were under the cosh, i say for the first 10 or 15 minutes probably, were able to press and counter-press or second press um, the Palace attack and 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 beat their build-up play, um, even though Palace was still able to be you know still able to pose a threat. So there was a lot of cut and thrust in the middle of the park between both teams. Um, and, and McLaughlin getting in and amongst it and unsettling unsettling players. I do like it when a player does that actually because it's not all about the flair. Sometimes you've got to, as I say, you've got to earn the right to play. You know you have to earn the right to play no one's just going to give you time and space to play you've got to earn the right um so yeah um there was a great break for from crystal palace uh driving forward haynes um was driving forward with the ball was unable to shoot and opted to pass and the pass was blocked And it's almost in that moment you think you, you i don't know drop a shoulder come inside shoot with your stronger foot." just didn't work and I think sometimes in the first half, the passing from Crystal Palace was a little bit off. Um, but they still looked like they were gonna, they were going to be the first team to score. However, however, Birmingham then switch on and they get their groove on. Yeah, they really get their groove on. they overturn uh the play there's a quick pass um to devlin there's another pass inside and then pennock is on the score sheet done bosh simple as that and it and it just happened so so quickly and against the run of play when palace had the upper hand um so again pennock on the score sheet just as she was in the home fixture you know palace would have known about the goal threat didn't counteract it. Didn't deal with it in the way that they should have done in terms of midfield and the pass from midfield or, or the pass forward to Devlin. You know, the, the there were so and I did mention there were so many bodies forward in terms of their 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 formation. So many attack minded, almost in a line. I'm wondering if that that attack minded, let's get up an atom approach. There weren't enough bodies in midfield to club to to press the ball much quicker, much quicker so that, that pass doesn't find Devlin and therefore she doesn't do what she does and then Pennock scores. Um so you know it's 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 it was really really strange to see how quickly that game that that, that really changed so quickly for, for Crystal Palace. But Birmingham as I say they switched on and they really did put the hurt they put the hurt on um Crystal Palace and Palace hurt themselves you know shortly after that in the game. You know, unable to find the pass, unable to find their feet with the ball. Um, And then Birmingham, uh, however happens, you know, Walker plays a one-two with the goalposts, through on goal. She she hits the post, comes back to him and she scores. So Birmingham are up, they're flying, they've got control of the game. Crystal Palace are, you know, wavering under the attack. Um, it, It wasn't necessarily the kind of, performance in that short spell that you saw within the first 10 minutes, it was almost like two separate Crystal Palace teams and two separate games within the game. So within that first 45 minutes, it was, it was a very up and down performance from Crystal Palace. And even towards the latter end of the first half, I would say for Birmingham so as well, because they had real control once they'd scored and then they kind of faltered and kind of, they, Palace got under their skin a little bit in terms of what was happening. And a lot of that could be said in terms of the, the midfield tussle between players. It was a lot of niggle. There was a lot of internal tussle between the niggles, the blocks, the shoves, um, all ignored by the ref. <laughs> Referees like, yeah, this is a game. Contact sport, whatever. Um, however, however, there was one challenge from behind, right? Which you know, you, you you could think that the you, the, you could think that the that the Palace player could have been booked or at least had a there could have been a conversation at the very least. There wasn't. The Birmingham player was written, shouting at the referee to to kind of get their attention. You know, the referee paid no attention whatsoever, and you could see this player getting wound up. And and you know, despite the calls from the Birmingham players and the, that player that the, it was ignored, right and what was noticeable was um, the Birmingham defender, Quinn, you know, don't know what she said to her teammate. You know, I've got I've got to imagine it was leave it. We'll sort it out later because, you know, not let's not go to the ref to deal with this. We'll deal with it ourselves. And I think that moment was kind of key in terms of there was a lot of niggle in the game. There's a little flare up between players at one point, you know, of pushing and shoving which you don't normally see but when teams believe that they've not been dealt an even hand or the referee hasn't protected them at a challenge or previous fixture where things haven't gone their way you know things you know injustice lives long in the mind of a football player regardless men or women or you know children it's like you feel aggrieved and if the referee who's the official doesn't actually deal with that at the time you're gonna, you know, you're gonna do that gunfight at the OK Corral approach and deal with it yourself. And sometimes it's good to see. Sometimes it's not necessarily that good to see. But anyway, there was lots of it in the game. So in terms of the first forty-five minutes, I would say it was two separate games by two different teams or four different teams. Two both two teams were two different separate teams because Palace were brilliant in the first ten to fifteen minutes, and then it just went. You know, just went. I don't know what happened. It just really went. Um, but Birmingham really did switch on. They put their groove on. Effective um, attacking. And in fact, there was effective attacking from both teams at times and ineffective defending. So it really was a mixed bag. Really was a mixed bag in terms of uh, in terms of what you saw as 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 a fan, but from a neutrals' point of view, it was a bloody brilliant game. Absolutely an absolutely brilliant game uh, to watch. Um and what was noticeable, and I did mention at the beginning as well, that you know, the head coach or you know, head coach has been suspended and he's not there. And just to my right, uh, in the in the stand, not far from the media booth, or where the media sit, there was one of the, the palace players. Not sure which one it is because they all wear the same tracksuit, so forgive me. There was a call, along with one of the supporters who kept saying the same thing, knock it long. I mean, knock it, just knock it long every time. Um, This player was giving instructions to player on the field as to Birmingham's high line. Now, Birmingham's high line was clear, but Palace didn't utilise the players that they had on the pitch within that first 45 minutes to cause enough trouble, enough problems or trouble to that high line just didn't do it and the players that were quick enough who posed probably the most threat in terms of pace like olden were either too wide or too deep to to get involved at, in terms of the, the the final section where a pass to that particular player would have been beneficial going forward whereas I found that in was the one who was always dropping slightly deeper anyway um so what's kind of you know the bit i'm trying to make um clear or get clear is that sometimes you do need someone who's the manager to actually say look you can do something different in the game have a different approach knock it early don't always try and build up through the middle um look at the players and the run and knock it into space that instruction has to come from someone who knows what they're doing I'm not say that the the guys that are in the dugout don't know what they're doing, but from the the advantage point that they didn't have is they didn't have an elevated um, elevated point of view, so they couldn't see it. And everyone who was slightly more elevated could see it, could really, really see it. It was clear, and it just... It was noticeable when uh, an off-field player or, or member of staff that's not part of the dugout is making that call or making that announcement, and everyone can hear it because it's it's, you know, you think, well... What's happening on the field? Are they aware of what they could possibly do to change how they approach the game? Anyway, uh, so there's that. Um, I mentioned Aldin for Crystal Palace. Really impressed um, with her. Um, she did a run through the middle, and and it literally energised the fans. I mean, they roared her on. I mean, she was bursting through. Um, and again, decisions in the finals. Section of the the field, the pass was overhit to the the player ahead of her, or just to to her. I think it was to her right, um, and I, it was to Hughes. And I believe if the roles were reversed, and it was Hughes that had come forward with the ball, and Olding was further forward, and the pass was put to her, she might have made it. I think she's that quick. Um, so again, you know, just thing that I noticed, whether it's relevant or not, maybe. But it's just my opinion, and I I, I thought that Olding was probably one of the most. I'm not saying she w- she was the, but one of the most effective Crystal Palace players. Um. Yeah, Blanchard as well, Blanchard as well. Blanchard did something in the second half; was really noticeable because everyone was kind of running around in the midfield, and she just almost stopped. And uh, the players backed off of her, and I thought, ooh, when a player stops, there's almost a little bit of like what they're going to do she really slowed it down and took her time to find a pass, didn't try and rush and get involved in the physicality of the game. And, and, and there was that part of me, I thought to myself, you look so composed, or she looked so composed when she did that. And I just were able to pick a pass without actually getting into the arms and elbows of what happens when you get close to a defender or another midfielder. So that was really good to see from, from her. Um, but yeah, um, so Birmingham, you know, literally in the first 45 minutes, they, they blew Palace away. I mean, I know Crystal Palace rallied with some goals, but the play, they just literally, once they switched on, it was like almost... And it's difficult to say that the game was over in the first 45 minutes. But I, you could say, even now that Birmingham have won, you could say the game is over in the first 45 minutes. So it's difficult to say that, but it, it's, it's kind of true. You know, they, they were blown away in that spell after the 10 minute spell that Crystal Palace had, Birmingham really put it put their groove on. And they had players injured themselves. They had the De- Wilson who was returns to Crystal Palace limping, not in the team, you know. So they've got they've got a really good squad. They've got a really good squad. Um so the damage was truly done in the first 45 minutes for me. Um even though before half time um, ball over the top, over the high line, <laughs> over the high line of Birmingham, Blanchard crosses to Haynes, Haynes scores. It seems so simple. It's, it seems so simple, uh, but it wasn't repeated enough to cause Birmi- Birmingham, any real harm just wasn't, you know? Uh, so again, highlights palace's awareness on the pitch and the second goal, actually that palace score, um. The keeper the Birmingham keeper hesitates when they come out and I've, I've got a feeling it's to do with the bounce of the pitch because I'm sure if that was on grass the ball carries the ball carries in a particular way um but anyway Birmingham 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 don't don't stop that chance sharp lifts the ball over uh the Birmingham keeper and you know it's 3-2 at half time so it's you know to the, to the to the roaring singing section of Crystal Palace fans who a, a fantastic job putting up flags and I must say that they are one of the best things in terms of, of the championship because they really do, they add an element to the game, not just about their flags, but about their songs and about how they sing and when they sing as well, when they sing. When the team were 2-0 down um, or 3-0 down, they're still singing and, and, and um, cheering the players on, which is, is really nice to see and hear. So important, so important um yeah really really good and top top I salute you you guys and girls I salute you um now in terms of the game Birmingham win right they win we know this and the the second half is a mixture of pulling shoving shrugging yeah niggles uh between individuals there's I, I would say there was no love lost between Haynes and Devlin, um, I'd say that. McLaughlin as well, getting in and amongst it with Olden definitely, um, and, and not even giving an inch in terms of, excuse the pun, in relation to the height difference, just putting everything involved. So from both te- both teams, the players involved really put it out there, really got, got involved in terms of individual battles. Um, despite that, Birmingham, um, had the better, better, well, the better opportunities to score, and they took them. And um, Fran Kitchen as well. Absolutely, the, the number of saves she made in the game was, was phenomenal. Phenomenal. Um, so, uh, salute to her as well. Some really, really, some really, really great saves. Um, so, yeah. Uh, what? What did I say? What's the thing that's really? There was a player that came on. I think it was it was Gibbons uh, for Chris Pat. Pall- literally towards the end, right? Literally, only been on about through two minutes. I don't even know three minutes. Gets booked. <laughs> this is the game where the referees let everything go. Yeah, <laughs> like, literally. Like, come on, get booked. I mean, it was a bit harsh, right? I have to be honest. It was a bit harsh um, to get booked. Literally, that at that point of the game, and just make one challenge. But um, yeah, so in terms of the scoreline, Birmingham win 4-2. Um, Crystal Palace, you know, unlucky. Didn't have it, have what what it took or, or, or needs for them to do to get all, all three points. Birmingham, you know, it's too soon already. I'm, I'm already thinking about next season. But I think they're going to be up there in terms of challenging as to, to to what happens next. They're third in the league, so you've got to, you know, automatically consider them to be a contender going forward, you have to. Um, it will be really, really interesting to see what happens with them next. Um, uh, in terms of players that stand out or stood out, should I say, uh, for Crystal Palace, um, Blanchard, Olden, Kitchen, Yeah, definitely. And for Birmingham, uh, Devlin, Pannock and, M- and McLaughlin. Definitely. Um, but it will be interesting to see. Um, For Birmingham, who they recruit in the summer, you know, they'll want to get back to the WSL, you know, they've they've got some good players. And what was really, really interesting, at one point, Martha Harris, former Manchester United, got to get that mention in, was on the right hand side of defense, then she was right midfield, and then one point she was on the left wing. So if if you have players that can move about on the pitch with that level of freedom with that, that level of intelligence, it says a lot about what's happening in terms of coaching. And it says a lot about what's happening with the team in terms of their roles and responsibilities as to what they need to do when someone is out of position or their normal position and how they're in. Really, really intelligent. And I thought that was something that, for me, that was really remarkable because you very rarely see a right back or right midfielder drift over to the left-hand side and be a threat and pick up positions that caused the defense problems, or we need to be aware of this person. This person isn't just standing in dead space. Really, really interesting. But anyway, going forward, we'll see what happens. There's a couple more games to go and we'll get to it just after this. Yes, that's right. Go big, go big indeed. Okay, so we've got over the game with regards to Crystal Palace and Birmingham. Crystal Palace, you know, the season has been successful considering everything that's gone on, uh, but Birmingham are probably going to be the team alongside whoever doesn't go up in second place, probably London City Lionesses, yeah. um, because in terms of the other team, Bristol, it's in their hands, it's in their hands. It really is in their hands. So let's, let's go and talk about Uh, the other results in the Barclays Women's Championship before we crack on with anything else. Uh, Bristol is in their hands, uh, away to um, Sunderland, uh, winning by five goals to nil. Uh, Hales, uh, Powell, uh, Bull and Harrison all on the score sheet, Bull with two. A big, big score at this time of the season. They're putting their foot on the pedal, they've shifted the gear stick into third and they're off. Uh, Bristol are making everyone know that they are determined to escape the Women's Championship and go back to the WSL. Um, It's in their hands and they're they're looking good for it. They've got a nice cushion in terms of points. Uh, The goal difference is still healthy in terms of, um, for Bristol, they've they've got a nice little lead on them, considering the goals they um, offered Sunderland as a a parting gift, as, as you could say. Uh, But for for Sunderland, not so good, but for Bristol, very, very good. And for London City Lionesses who are, uh, let's just say, just behind, not a very good afternoon. Um, Looking elsewhere before we talk about them, uh, Coventry uh, at home to Sheffield United. I must say, um, I was able to catch up with uh, Lee Birch for Coventry United, uh, uh, head coach. Uh, please look out for that um, interview. There were some slight audio issues in terms of Wi-Fi, so the audio does drop out. So hopefully it doesn't detract from what was said and what he shared. Um, but yeah, in terms of commentary, uh, the season is ending pretty much how the rest as of the league has gone for them, you know, with a defeat. They've rallied for a bit. They have good team spirit, but it just wasn't enough on this occasion. Sheffield United putting them away, you uh, beginning in the first half, Haywood with two, Enderby uh, very good player like her with one, and uh, Courtney Sweetman Kirk uh, coming in at the tail end to make it four goals to nil, um, big stuff for them uh, going forward, so uh, quite impressive. Uh, another A2 team, Charlton at home. Charlton at home have been very good, uh, I would have called them the, the the one of the score draw specialists, uh, of, of the season, they're not the score draw specialists, but they're one of them. Um, so it's nice for them. They're in fourth at the moment. Are they in fourth? I think they are in fourth. I have to double check that before before I get carried away. Uh, they're winning. They won at home. They won at home against tough tackling Durham. Uh, Melissa Johnson uh, from the spot and Angela Addison in the second half to make it to two goals to nil for them. So it's good for for Charlton. Um, young team, good players, good base. They'll be challenging next season, no doubt. And um, yeah, it's not just about the teams with WSL pedigree. Let's let's get that clear. There are teams that don't have that pedigree or haven't had it for a while who are still able to, to, to do really, really well. This league needs some real help and not this trickle-down nonsense. I'll stop. Um, elsewhere, uh, what have we got? Who is it? Um, we've covered that. We've covered that. Who, who haven't we covered? Uh, London City Lioness is at home, London City Lioness is at home, uh, not at home, they're away actually to Southampton, how can I say at home, they're away to Southampton, tough tackling Southampton, what can I say? Um, They get the points, you know who's on the score sheet, Uh, London City Lionesses. they will no doubt do their level best going forward uh, for the, the remainder of this season. But it's got to be hard to take when you know that things were in your hand and they slipped away chances in front of goal not taken and, and opportunities offered to the opposite opposition and they have taken them and on this occasion and a team where they probably really needed to win and it is a, a difficult team to play southampton they're not easy uh, london city lionesses will know that again have to regroup and think about what they didn't do what they couldn't do and how they go and, and address that uh, for the remaining games of the season, but also about what they do going forward next season. Because it, I, you know what? Um, I think when I first started to watch the championship, and I think I saw Durham really you know, putting teams away in terms of their football and their physicality. And for whatever reason, I've not seen that return for Durham. They were close to being promoted, and it just tailed away. I would hate for that to happen to London City Lionesses. I would hate for them not to build on what they've done this season. um, Because if they don't go up this season, they're very close to going up next season if they continue to do everything that's been set in place by Mel. Mel's at Brighton, everyone. Didn't see that coming. Didn't see that coming. Uh, So, yeah. So, in terms of the other results, Lewis uh, win at home against Blackburn Rovers, uh, really good result for, for Lewis. Um, Blackburn, um, loved watching Blackburn this season, Love watching uh, Saffron Jordan and the crew down there, Fenton, etc., Richards. Um, but uh, they're second from bottom, Coventry are going down. They need to do something in the summer they need to think about recruitment they need to think about how they score goals they need to think about how they stop teams scoring goals because it's it's not just it's really difficult when you've got a league with only 12 teams as soon as you're you go beyond eighth everyone starts getting itchy and twitchy if you have more teams there's slightly more life in the league and um, slightly more realistic outlook as to what can be achieved uh, in, in the season um, So for for Blackburn fans, you know, just about get away with it this season and say, people will say, oh, but you know, you don't know who's coming up and what they'll be like. Too close to comfort for me, looking at the league table, too close to comfort. But from, from, you know, Lewis's point of view, you know, a good result for them at home. Blackburn, come on, come on, you can do it, come on. You can do it. Um, yeah, there's a few games, you know, in terms of what's happening next. It's going to be interesting um, on the last day of the season as to what happens. Again, what happens next week, uh, you've got fixtures or the next round of fixtures. You've got Palace at Hunter to Lewis. I should be there for that one. Coventry, you've got Southampton at home. Blackburn, you've got London City Lionesses. And if London City Lionesses don't get anything from this game or that game, should I say, then, you know, it's more or less done. Let's just say that. Uh, Durham at home to Birmingham City should be interesting, Sun, uh, Sunderland or away to Sheffield United that should be interesting and Bristol at home to Charlton now that is definitely going to be interesting oh my gosh so it's all to play for all to play for anyway we will step away from the championship now we're going to talk a little bit about WSL teams Apparently. Some of them aren't happy, even though they're going to Wembley. Oh. Right, um, Manchester United make it to uh, Wembley. They're going. They beat uh, Brighton. Uh, hats off to Brighton in their, uh, in, their, in under the new stewardship of Mel, Mel M- Melissa Phillips, formerly of Angel City, and then before that, uh, London City Lionesses. Who um, knew? But Brighton have got a good manager, and I believe that uh, anyone who watched that game realizes what she's going to add to Brighton. Uh, it may have come a few months too late for them in terms of their league position, but interesting. But for Manchester United, they're tickle pink going to Wembley. They're going to be playing against Chelsea. You know, regular attendees of a certain venue or or final. So they'll be thinking that they, the job's not, jo- I don't think they'll be thinking that actually, I shouldn't say that. They shouldn't be thinking the job's done because they know they have to play football and Emma Hayes won't have anything to do with that kind of mindset. But apparently, apparently, Manchester United fans are only getting so many fa- a thousand tickets, about 8,000 and they and the the manager has, has, has apparently said he's not happy and it's, it's, not, it's not really good. And they should do more for the Manchester fans, the Manchester United fans. And I'm sure if they offered more tickets to uh, Manchester United fans, the Manchester United fans will go. Um, knowing the way the club operate, they'll do their best to get season ticket holders from the men's game to go down there and watch the team, um, which is perfectly OK, really. You know, So if it's possible to make it a spectacle and it just not be all about the lionesses playing at Wembley, if you can show the world that there are teams within the WSL for a final that's going to be watched by many, many, many people and those in the pub, uh, that the fans will turn up and support and be and be OK and have a good time. Why not give them more tickets? Why not make it a spectacle? Um, and actually do something other than just say it's about the Lionesses because it isn't just about them. No matter how many fixtures you have, it's. There is football beyond international football, and there always will be. Always will be. It really, really is that simple. Uh, So if you can, FA people, be kind enough to equally distribute tickets to a said team in red, do so. It may help the game. Um, The only other thing that I can think of in terms of the Premier League, and I've got to say this, Arsenal are having a wobble. Arsenal are having a wobble at the top they're wobbling and maybe it's because they've got young players and it's the pressure and I shouldn't say that because that's an ageist thing and we're not doing any isms we're trying not to not doing ageisms you know their youth their their young the young years the years that they have they yet to accumulate it Has nothing to do with their football intelligence at all uh, or the luck that's gone their way anything can happen it's going to be interesting um, but the narrative is that that is a wobble, and you know it's it's good for the game. It's good. It's, it's really really interesting. That's the most important thing I've got to say about the Premier League. Because yeah, you know whatever. Yeah. Uh, anyway, that's it from me. Please look out for the pod chat with Lee Birch. Interested? I, again, I'll say slight technical issue. You know, hopefully it doesn't take away from what's been said. Um, very interesting and i will be hopefully speaking to lee again um on the last day of the season when the uh, commentary visit london city lionesses hopefully we won't have to worry about wi-fi probably just background noise from the uh, dj whatever anyway this is on and off the pitch i'm rodney cyrus and until next time what do they say laters <laughs> the pig.